0: All right, everybody. It is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have a uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy to understand way. Uh, And we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to crypto101insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write All right, all you good, wonderful citizens of Crypt Nation. It is that time, the best time of the week. It is Crypto 101 podcast time. So I am joined by my trusty compadre, Mr. Aaron Pizza Mind Malone. Aaron, how the heck are we doing over there, sir? Uh, your your video looks a little bit more blurry than it usually looks like.
1: You know, I've lost everything except my name, uh, thanks to Binance Futures. Liquidating me way ahead of schedule, you know, oh, if, I pick, if I pick 10x, I expect 10x to be, you know, how much leeway I have, not seven or six and a half or whatever is re- you know written into the code to take all my money from me. But this is a travesty. Why does the
0: SEC allow this? well you know they don't <laughs> that's the thing uh, no but great crazy times we're you know we're recording this it's september 14th the markets are extremely volatile today uh solana is still offline it's been 10 hours and counting and uh, a lot of craziness but uh one protocol out there that is very well equipped to handle volatility uh, and very well equipped to handle fast transactions um, and built specifically for traders um, is Perpetual Protocol. And we're joined by the founder of uh, the co founder of Perpetual Protocol, Yenwen Feng. Yenwen, welcome to the show.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's my pleasure to be in here.
0: Yeah, so so we're going to be talking about a, a bunch of different stuff. And, and, you know, a lot of people on this show, uh, they're maybe you know, traders or they are long-term investors thinking about this space, or maybe they're just enthusiasts. Um, but I think everybody is has heard the term leverage before, um, but maybe not everybody fully understands it. And we're going to talk about leverage. We're going to talk about what a perpetual swap is and futures and derivatives and all sorts of stuff. And so if you're listening right now at home or in your uber or driving to you know work or wherever and all those words sound scary yeah maybe click next on the episode but (laughs) if all those words sound exciting and uh you know that that's kind of what gets you going then i think this is going to be an awesome episode so without further ado um Wang, let's dive in um catch us up who who are you and where you know from what background, like what were you building before you came into crypto and why did you decide to build this protocol specifically?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm actually from Taiwan. We, I mean, my co-founder and I, we actually started working together in, from like 2015. We have been like driving different things. I mean, like social apps or sometimes we do like e-commerce or other things. I mean, try to get something that uh, I mean, like really that we can do it for longer and Material uh serial entrepreneur yeah yeah, so uh i mean i like, j i i'm engineers, so I just actually mm. like building things and then you know watch user i mean know their needs something like that, but uh uh I think in like two thousand seventeen you know um you know we kind of like uh saw the popularity of crypto and then actually mm. we it kind of like uh the time we got into this like crypto rabbit hole. I mean, at first, we feel that, you know, this like, crypto game is really interesting. You can own the asset. But uh, after kind of digging a little bit, we found that actually it's much more than this. You know, you can actually write some program that's trustable. That's, you know, that's actually something that we never thought about before. Mm. So, yeah, so...
0: So you saw, you kind of saw 2017 unfold, the ICO boom, how things, you know, new ways of forming capital. Then you saw the, the the very first tip of the iceberg of NFTs with crypto kitties, it sounds like. And that kind of brought you into this mindset of, wow, there's a whole new way of, of writing programs, of, of software engineering. Um, and that led you to uh, to founding uh, the Perpetual Protocol. Is that correct?
2: No, actually, no. I mean, <laughs> um, actually, we, we, we actually on we'll other- <laughs> <Try again.
3: laughs>
2: I mean, um, we, we actually went on and do other things. I mean, like, um, so we actually, at that time, we want to build a decentralized option protocol at first. So that's called Cinch, but uh, it failed. Cinch? Um, yeah, Cinch. Yeah. So uh, it's actually a very interesting construction of options. Uh, I think it's really interesting, but yeah, uh, uh we failed because uh I think at that time we I mean people are building like this like you know we try to bring the central change or uh, bring the traditional finance on chain. So mm-hmm. we just kind of like build the things like traditional finance. So we kind of like bring bring in the option on chain, then that doesn't work. And do you think it was course, just a
0: little too early ahead of its time?
2: Yeah, that's actually before DeFi. So people people code decentrifying DeFi, Yeah.
0: I think people will probably get around to, you know, pretty good uh decentralized options, but still a little far as away far ways away.
2: Yeah. Keep that's it in actually... your back pocket though. Don't throw it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But but uh, that's actually the first thing we want to build. I mean, like uh, this like program, programmable money thing is really interesting. And um but we failed to actually raise to attract a good producer. So actually ended up joining Binance Lab. So Binance Lab at that time, they run a accelerator in San Francisco. We joined and we kind of pivot to a crypto accounting software. So we were building a crypto accounting software for accountants in San Francisco, working with companies, trying to get the tax right. Which is actually pretty hard.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, similar to maybe like uh, Zen Ledger, who, they've been on the show before. Yeah, yeah,
2: um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and Binance actually,
0: Labs to to help you incubate your project. I mean, that's a that's a great partner.
2: Um, yeah, yeah, of course. But uh, you know, like to actually in 2018, the market crash. So everyone everyone is now kind of like, I mean, like it's really hard to raise, but uh, I mean like um, buying a skill like provides support to us. So you know, we kind of
0: like keep working on that project for a while. People were probably concerned there was never going to be a capital gain to calculate ever again <laughs> so in the bear market.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So, so they actually <laughs> want the test right because they are not going to pay anything. Yeah, they don't have <laughs> anything to pay. Yeah.
0: So you guys pivoted. And I think, I mean, that's one of the stories that we hear time and time again. I think Mm -hmm. people at home listening right now, you know, will will be able to take away like one of the the key principles of like success and and all these successful protocols or businesses is like having the ability to pivot. And your business Mm -hmm. starts out one way. (laughs) Um, Everybody's kind of on board with this one vision. Markets change, conditions change. You have to be flexible, and uh, you guys pivoted into um, a decentralized uh, trading protocol. So, tell us a little bit about what Perpetual Protocol uh, really is, besides just um, you know these or because it's not a. Would you call it a Dex, a decentralized exchange that only trades? Crypto derivatives, or is there something else that we're missing?
2: Yeah. So after the crypto accounting, actually, I think in 2019, uh, we actually saw the the popularity of Uniswap and the Synthetics, we decided to pivot again. So that's actually what, I mean, when we start working on Perpetual Protocol. So, I mean, it's actually, I mean, a gap. So um, people can trade because we provide a UI, but underneath is, it's actually a protocol. So... Everyone actually can interact with the smart contract itself. You don't really need to go through the UI. I mean, um, I mean, uh, I mean, most of the retail or like me myself, you know, I you know, I use the UI because I, I place trades. But uh, actually, everyone can access that smart contract, and the smart contract is you know, is, is on chain. Everything in perpetual protocol is on chain, so I mean, everything is there.
1: That's really awesome. Real quick, just want to interrupt the episode to give a shout out to the Bitcoin Taipei community on Telegram, some of the kindest group of individuals uh, that I've ever run across in this space. In fact, that's where I first heard about Perpetual Protocol quite some time ago, and it caught my eye. So we've been at this for a really, really long time. What's the status of the project now? Here we are, uh, mid-September 2021, you know, I'm looking for something that's going to still be able for me to use as an American citizen, past all the huge regulations coming past the end of this bull market and into the bear market, where I can still grow my funds. Will you guys be ready either next year or the year after that? Where are you at in this project right now?
2: Whoa, well, that's uh, yeah, that that that's a good question. So I think the first thing is that let me like um, just uh, briefly like um, give you an update like uh, where we are. So the project actually launched last year. It took us like uh, several months to, be, to build it. Um, but uh, last December we launched it. And until now, we actually have like, uh, I think really good traction. So the trading, uh, I mean like the trading volume wise, like I mean like over like 26 billion, I mean in total. So a lot of trading activity like, on top of perpetual protocol And uh, we, I mean, like the the user actually grows like scabby. I mean, like, uh, I mean, like, um, I mean, most of the time. So we also have lots of retail users like to come and use our projects. So that's really good. And um, we are actually working on V2 right now. Uh, But uh, actually there is one thing you touch on is like, uh, you are in US, I mean, like, can you use Perpetual Protocol? Uh, If you go to our website perp.fi, you actually cannot, I mean, access perpetual protocol because the UI blocks, I mean, U.S. citizen or like US, I mean, or IP from U.S. Um, that's of course because uh, the regulation is tougher in U.S. So I mean, like, um, you know, we we actually are not are in no position kind of like against the law. I I mean, like, uh, we built this project doesn't really want to, I mean, like, um, try to back I mean everything that we have. Um but uh, at the same time, I mean perpetual poker has grown, I mean, I mean for a long time. So we we do have other, I mean, people building UI on top of us. So you can actually use like alternative UI. So I mean they are like App has team, they build a UI on top of us. So you can actually use those UI. Or if you if you are okay with like the hosting your UI, we you know we have an open source UI you can host or you can direct access a smart contract. So uh, only the, the UI host by the team, because I think we do have a lots of risk, I mean, from this point of view, but uh, to be honest, I do hope that, uh, you know, we can leave that uh, in the future, if the I mean, uh, kind of like a regulation has more clarity and then we can comply.
0: Very interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the interesting things about perpetual protocol is, um, that it also enables the use of um, you know, leverage on this decentralized exchange. So it's kind of like Uniswap if Uniswap allowed up to 10X leverage. So, uh, but better yet, it also is free from fees. Is that correct? Or are the fees are a lot less than a, a normal Uniswap transaction, which sometimes you know could cost a couple hundred bucks uh, we mm-hmm. saw just the other week it cost a thousand bucks when the Ethereum gas price was just skyrocketing. So, tell us a little bit about how Perpetual Protocol solves this problem. Sure, sure. Um, so,
2: there are actually two fees. So, Uniswap charges you the transaction fees, and then the Ethereum network charges you the gas fee. So, the, uh, the transaction fee Uniswap charges uh, uh, 0.3%. And the gas fee actually depends, just like you said, uh, I mean, the gas go to like a 1,000 GUA. I mean, that's weak. Yes, so so, so, so
0: sorry, you said 0.3% is what Uniswap charges uh, every transaction and that goes to the Uniswap token holders?
2: No, for the traders, so every time you swap token, Uniswap actually charge uh, 0.3%, I mean, of that transaction volume. So you actually get a little bit less token. Mm. So that's for the transaction fee, and then the fees actually go to the liquidity provider of Uniswap.
0: The, lit- the okay, got it. So the market mm-hmm. makers that are on mm-hmm. that are using liquidity. Yes. okay, yeah. got it. So
2: for perpetual protocol, we actually charge uh point one percent. So uh, so kind of much less than Uniswap. So every transaction we point, we take like ten base point. So the fees actually, uh, and and uh, and the interesting part is for the gas fee, we actually pay for the gas fee. I mean, for all the users, for all the traders who mm. trade on Perpetual Protocol. So you
0: don't pay any gas fee. Yeah. And, and where where does Perpetual Protocol kind of get that reserve in order to pay for those gas fees? Um,
2: that's actually because we are running on a sidechain called XDAI. So oh, XDI is yours. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, the whole network is running on XDAI because the case fee is, on Sky is much less than if they So we can kind of like cover that cost. And uh, we also use a lot of make transactions. So every time, I mean, like, like if you want to place a trade, you actually sign your transaction and then we will kind of like pay the fees and then send the transaction for you to the XKai network. So you don't really need to change the make-up second. So that's uh, how it works on, I mean, on perpetual if you use the UI, so that's actually, I think, uh, helps a lot, I mean, to the users, to the traders. So it's actually very easy. And uh, the block time of Sky is like five seconds. So it's much less
0: than Ethereum. Wow. Uh, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit to the long tail assets, and can you kind of give listeners a brief definition of long tail assets and provide some insight into why you think these are beneficial to the crypto space? Sure, of course. Um, so long tail asset, uh, if you look at the Uniswap,
2: I mean, um, everyone can create a new market. So of course, I mean, uh, you can trade ETH to DAI, ETH to uh, USDC on Uniswap. But, uh, for example if you create a token i mean like um, because of you know you you have um, because um you have a restaurant you want to create a token you want your customer to pay i mean uh pay token for the meals you can create that token and then uniswap is you know the place that uh, if you want to create a token to trade uh, to, to, to
3: clear hey guys tivo here to tell you about the UFi video lock That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit ufeofficialcom slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Ufi Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door.
2: Market to trade that token, you don't need any permission. You can just you know call the smart contract and then create mar- that market. So that's what we call the permissionless uh, market. Um, so everyone can create their own market. That's actually why Uniswap got so popular, because all these like new DeFi projects, all these like new NFT projects, once they want to I mean create I mean uh, kind of uh, distribute their token, they actually go to Uniswap. They they provide equity to their token create a market, and then everyone can trade. Uh, that's that. I mean, this old like, permissionless market thing. Actually, I mean, um, it kind of like a kind of like a kind of like a platform. I mean, Uniswap is a platform of O D five because of this. I mean, everyone can create a market to swap something. So yeah, I think that's really important for like decentralized world. Because I mean, like before Uniswap, you can only go to like central exchange, like Binance, like other place. You have to ask them to list you some of the change, you know, they either charge you or they have lots of rules that, uh, you know, make you, I mean, um, not make you suffer, but uh, it's just like, uh, you know, so complicated to get risk on, I mean, on central exchange. But the Uniswap actually changed all of this.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Being able to create your own markets on Uniswap is really what made it stand out from everything else and take off to be the unicorn that it is, kind of literally. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that uh, you're going to be releasing a version two of Perpetual Protocol uh, sometime down the road. Can you give us a sneak peek at
2: some of the new features that are being built in in this new update? Sure, of course. Um, So The major change that we made to uh, Perpetual V2 is that uh, for Perpetual V1, we use the XYK model I mean, for our pricing engine. So, uh, I mean, like everyone is using XYK, it's actually pretty easy to understand, but uh, it's not really capital efficient. But, uh, and then in Perp V2, we actually using the new Uniswap V3 as our pricing engine. So Uniswap V3, they come up with this really neat, like, you know, you can provide liquidity within a range, you can concentrate that. So, you know, the capital efficiency is just like, you know, through the roof because I mean, the market maker can control, I mean, how they provide the liquidity. So we are going to use that. And then, you know, just like Uniswap uh, V3, we can increase, increase the capital efficiency, I mean, dramatically by using them. Yeah. So I think that's the major change. And uh, the second thing is that uh per V1 it doesn't have permit, permit, permissionless market creation, but per B2, we will build that permissionless market creation. So for, for so for everyone who wants to create a new market, they if they can provide some insurance fund in there, they can create that market.
0: Interesting, interesting. Awesome. So Um, let's dive into, um, a little bit about leverage. Um, I think a lot of people here, um, you know, are, you know, they maybe have heard of it, but never have experimented with it or tried it and swore off of it for good. Uh, but what is leverage? Where does it come from? Um, and and how do, how do people kind of safely think about it? You know, for, there's a lot of people that watch this show that are not in America, um, that, you know, and not in any sort of, you know, jurisdiction that, you know, bans it or whatever. So um, for, for those kind of listeners, like kind of explain to them a little bit about it. Sure. Of course. I mean, even if you are in US,
2: I mean, like you use, I mean, actually you use leverage all the time. So leverage is actually kind of like- a, But not so, on crypto. Not on crypto. <laughs> yeah. It's banned. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, like if you ever borrow anything, you're actually using leverage. So, I mean, the most like, simple thing that, um, you know, for leverage is that, um, you know, um, you are kind of like, uh, for example, you are using, I mean, your house as a collateral, you borrow some money, and then you do, you know, you buy a car or or something. That's actually because, I mean, like, um, that's actually leverage, you kind of like, you kind of like have more money than you have. You know, originally you have a house, but you actually use house as a collateral and then you buy the car. I mean, but uh, but of course the money doesn't come out of nowhere. You actually have that. But uh, I think in a simple form, that uh, leverage is that, um, you know, you can actually, I mean, if you have like collateral like, um, you know, 10,000 USD, you can actually, I mean, I use that as a collateral and then you can borrow more. Maybe you if you borrow like, um, you know, 5,000 of that, you actually are, you know, you have that leverage. I mean like uh, just like you know uh 1.5x yeah and then you can if you use that to trade you actually have more margin money, money than before so you you know you can trade more if you know like what you are doing or like if you if you know like uh, the trend of the market i mean where it goes then you should be able like profit more by doing this
0: yeah i love it and, and so the perpetual swap has Leverage built in, or could you kind of explain the novelty around the perpetual swap? And I, I think it was the BitMEX team that invented it, um, mm-hmm. maybe in 2017 or, or early, early on in the game. And then it was all off-chain, right? It was all on their own private servers. And you guys kind of took it, you, you you codified it into a smart contract. But for everybody listening, you know, you know, perpetual mm-hmm. swaps are the most liquid probably trading instrument uh, worldwide for crypto, and they trade on you know Darabit and FTX and all the kind of exchanges that Americans don't trade on, Um, but (laughs) what is the perpetual swap, right?
2: So that's a good question. So so perpetual swap, um, I mean, let's actually go back to, I mean, the borrowing. So, I mean, in crypto, actually, you can do, I mean, you can do the same thing. You can put your money into compound, you borrow some money out, and then you can trade or you, you can actually do it recursively, recursively, and then you can trade more. So that's what actually one way you can get leverage. I mean, in US, if you can can access compound, you, if you can borrow crypto, then you can actually have leverage. So perpetual portal, like uh, I mean, like why say that uh, is actually a part. I mean, like, like a new design from BMax. So. We can we can borrow i mean like uh, tokens or monies and then do i mean to every job, but uh, perpetual swap actually decide that uh, you don't really need to borrow anything it's actually a future contract so future contract is like a a, a contract between buyer and seller uh, or like um, two traders so they decide that a contract you don't really need to borrow anything you just need to find a counterparty and then if they all i mean if we all agree on that, uh, you know, we are going to use like 2x, 5x, and then, uh, the, the, the total like notional value is equal. Then the trade, I mean, comes true. And then, you know, you can process. So they kind of like design this new financial instrument like future, but, uh, it doesn't really expire. So that's another part, but, uh, that's more complicated. But, uh, I think.
0: Uh, that's um- so. It's almost like a perpetual swap. Like if, if somebody out there's, you know, comfortable with, um, you know, futures basis. Typically, a, a future mm-hmm. in, you know, one month in advance might be trading at a one percent premium. So it's in contango or a one percent mm-hmm. discount, um, and so it's in backwardation. But with the perpetual swap, it never expires, and mm-hmm. so it almost tracks exactly what the underlying uh is because it should be settling in perpetuity. So it trades exactly at the same price as spot.
2: Yes. Uh they are Generally, still like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh of course they I mean they are still like some like difference. But uh actually perpetual swap most of the I mean it depends on design, but most of the design it actually kind of have the effect it expires every day. Hmm. So you kind of like you have the future expires every day. So the Actually, the index tracks very closely to the spot
0: price. Wow, very interesting. Yeah, and even <laughs> uh, with all the different arbitrage opportunities across exchanges, right? For instance, maybe if uh, an on-chain perpetual swap was trading rich compared to a, to a, you know, a, a derivative perpetual swap, I'm sure lots of uh, traders are, are, are arbitraging stuff like that away. Have, have you seen <laughs> uh, lots of activity and lots of, um, you know, um, you know, real world adoption of the per- perpetual protocol, and are, are hedge funds using it? Do you have um, partners that maybe you could talk about some some examples of how people are using it?
2: Sure. Um. So, so we talk to a lot of trading firms, like hedge funds. So they use it. I mean, like uh, most people who trade crypto, they use perpetual swap because I mean, like it's cheaper, it's easier to use. You know, it gives you like leverage, like Binance, Like at some point of time, they give you like 100 x leverage. Mm-hmm. So they can actually leverage uh, R like like significantly. So that's really good for to the trading firm. Yeah. And uh I I mean like uh on decentralized on DeFi, I don't think there are a lot of trading firms using perpetual right now, but uh you know, I, I do believe that um, people who trade on centralized exchange will move on to decentralized, I mean, in the near future
0: yeah is there what's like a key partnership that you would love to have like is there any other token or project out there that you're like, man, if we could partner with them in some capability um if you know whether it's wi fi and you know working yourself into a vault or whether it's um you know ample forth and having a different sort of you know collateral back in it like I'm kinda curious if there's anything you have your eye on that uh would complement perpetual protocol really well
2: whoa, that's a great question uh I would say, um, I mean, like vote, like yearn. So uh, we don't- The NEAR protocol? No, no, yearn. Oh,
0: NEAR, Wi-Fi. Yeah,
2: Yeah. Wi-Fi, yeah, Wi-Fi. So Wi-Fi or like other, like harvest or other, I mean other, so like um, Wi-Fi is kind of like, um, you know, the first generation, kind of like ear farming. I mean, aggregators. Yes. So you know they they kind of like they go in to the protocol they provide equity they get token they sell the token I mean earn that yield, but uh, to be honest I think uh, with perpetual or even with uh, options they actually can build more complex strategy like traditional finance, they can actually hedge the risk I mean so they can go into like more risky pool, so I mean like uh, it actually open up a lots of I mean opportunities for them. And then uh, so we do want to like try to provide like this kind of like a basic layer for them to build like more complex like uh, product for them. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I know of um, lots of yield farmers who like will basically get, you know, something for like in order to basically isolate the APY of the farm, Mm -hmm. you'll um, simultaneously for every one thing that you, you farm, you'll short the derivative of it. And you'll mm-hmm. basically just isolate the yield. And so I could definitely see that being a huge, huge part of, of perpetual protocol, like having a service baked in to, like, oh, have hedge mm-hmm. yield farming. Like, that's freaking
3: cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh,
0: not that's only really that, cool.
3: but uh, that's a billion. Do, I mean, that's that like well. bigger
0: than a billion dollar market. I mean, that's like a trillion dollar You're right. market. <laughs> You're right.
1: And what you described is what uh, mining farms do, uh, not just yield farms, like actual mining farms. So to so apply that to, a yield farm is an absolutely brilliant idea. Uh, we may have to not air this episode and get to work on some development. But uh, <laughs> yeah, tell, uh, you mentioned hedging risk in your answer, Yenwen. Can you talk about how mining farms uh, hedge their risk with perpetual
2: swaps? Sure, of course. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, um, the first thing is that uh, maybe some of them using perpetual, but uh, most of them using futures. So, like, um, for example, I got like so many like um, you know Bitcoin mining machines, and then you know I do you know I can produce like maybe like ten thousand Bitcoin per, per per month per month, and then um, because like you know the price the token price is so volatile, I might want to actually sell a future maybe like a month after, so I kind of like locking that price. So like Bitcoin, you know, it's like. Um, you know maybe it's like 35 thousand say so it's hundred right now and then you know um, I can actually sell a future so right now I mean amongst futures so because I know how much Bitcoin I can generate and then I can lock in that, that profit. So that's I mean like that's just like something I mean most of the mining firm they will do I mean once they feel the price is actually good, they just sell the future try to lock in that profit
0: yeah it's a very very useful way of uh kind of hedging out your inventory risk and uh a lot lot of people a lot of the lot of the flows i think uh in crypto are driven actually by derivatives um we saw shoot, what was it last Tuesday, maybe the seventh, it was like the day after labor day. And there was a huge deleveraging, uh, to the tune of like, you know, three and a half billion dollars in, in volume across, you know, all the different exchanges. And it was very sharp. It lasted for about an hour and it was just kind of, you know, a, um, a, a bunch of, um, you know, derivative contracts that were, you know, a little too leveraged and a big player saw vulnerability and was able to wipe it out. But, um, I always kind of think like, you know, this analogy of does the dog wag the tail or does the tail wag the dog? (laughs) And in crypto, it seems like the tail, which is derivatives, kind of wags the dog. What are your thoughts there?
2: Uh, Yeah, actually, I totally agree. And uh, I do believe that's the same in traditional finance. Ah. Because because the derivative market is much larger than the spot market. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. so follow I, the
0: liquidity. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if this is the good or bad, but uh, that's just how it goes. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I, I think that's um, that's a good place to kind of start to wrap things up. We we've got one more question we ask everyone, but uh, I'll, I'll get to that in a sec. I I do really think that is a good point to like you know tell people like even if you're not trading you know derivatives or whatever, it's always key to pay attention to that data because there's lots of signals in that data. Um, and there's lots of good resources and so um, a lot of good indicators are built off derivative datas and I think people are you know maybe the market is maturing a little bit beyond just simple you know technical analysis and uh, relative strength indexes and standard deviations and stuff like that and things are getting a little bit more advanced so if you're not keeping up with the market and keeping up with uh, your the sources of data that you're crunching, you're gonna fall behind the curve. Um, and uh, this conversation with you, Yenwen, has uh, really, really brought that to light, just showing how much data there is out there and all these new platforms um, and, and how important the perpetual swap is and uh, really how important derivatives are. Mm-hmm. So uh, w- without further ado, I, I want to ask you one last question, and, and it's a pretty simple one. But um, if this was the very first podcast that somebody in the crypto space was listening to, you know, They just uh, heard about crypto last week from their buddy. They type in crypto on Google. Of course, Crypto 101 is the first one that comes up. Uh, And they listen to this podcast. Their mind is blown. They're like, holy smokes, what did I just listen to? Um, What (laughs) what do you want those people to know?
2: You know, in that... I mean, do do you say that in that podcast? (laughs) Yeah, like what what do you want everybody uh, to know? One
0: word of wisdom for newbies. Uh (laughs) (laughs)
2: I, I personally think that uh, everyone should know how automaking market maker works.
0: Oh, I like <laughs> that. that. So everybody's <laughs> research, go to Google and type in automated market maker and uh, realize how those work. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: yeah, that's what I think,
0: yeah. <laughs> awesome, I love it. Yenwen, thank you so much, so much for your time. This was great. Um, we really enjoyed it. Uh, I love perpetual protocol, full disclosure. I've got a bag. Uh, and uh, I'm excited about where you guys are going. So uh, without further ado, we'll bring you back on sometime uh, for V2 for a big announcement. Sure, sure, yeah,
2: yeah. We'd love to like be on here like sometime after,
0: yeah. Cool, cheers, thanks guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks.